guys. So today, hmm, today I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling a little helpless, so I probably might delete later. So welcome to the show. It's called My Delete Later. You're with me, Nikki Porter, and well, I'm going to explain why I'm going to do. Well, this is how I'm going to start the episodes. I'm going to tell you guys how I feel and then I'm going to do the my delete later thing. So at least it's a good premise and how I'm going to start the episode. Here we go. When I was making this podcast or when I was coming up with an with a pilot episode of the of the podcast, I wasn't really sure if I wanted to mention that I didn't want to get political because I don't want to get political. Why? Because it's a volatile subject that as soon as that becomes a subject of conversation, shit can hit the fan so fast because people have their walls up. It's just one of those topics where people can have their walls up and say, no, I disagree with you. No, I think this government official sucks. And no, I think I love this government official in spite of what he's done. That kind of thing. And some people, you, you realize, also, it's a frustrating, it's a frustrating topic for sure, especially for me. Uh, I grew up in a I grew up in a household where as soon as politics come into play in the conversation, even if you're around a family table, which is the worst way, it's usually my dad who gets enraged. It's always there's always a level of anger that he has to express whenever he talks about politics. And that's why I have always been hesitant in talking about politics also because I don't want to get to that level. I hate I hate being angry because for me when I get angry I get to the level of crying and just me mentioning that right now makes me teary-eyed <laughs> I'm not joking this is a very delicate situation and this is an extraordinary time in our lives and I feel like I have to talk about this not because not because I want to bring anyone down but I want to document it like I said this is a personal podcast and this is the only way for people to know what's going on or for people for me to document what's going on to look back also on things that government has done things that were so viral for the worst reasons and why you should never re-elect these certain people but yeah i've always been scared of politics i would read about it sure but i would never engage you know even if in work or any social situation where politics would come up i fall short i don't know what to say it's not because i want to stay silent it's because i don't know where to begin there's so many things that are happening that you have no control of and it's it's beyond covid-19 anymore now this is about the people this is about governance and how the people are being ruled ruled because that's how it sort of feels now and even more so on my part for someone who works in radio when you work in the radio when you're on air you have to be impartial you have to be that impartial body who doesn't talk politics doesn't really talk so much about religion because it will harm ratings or it will yeah it will mostly you know harm ratings harm the people who follow you especially when your audience is the masses but as a personal podcast, I finally get to air that out a little bit. And I will admit that I'm not that well informed. That's why when I'm doing this podcast, when I'm doing this episode, I have articles pulled up, which I have like paraphrased to the best of my abilities so that you guys know what I'm talking about. You won't, so that you guys can understand why these people are enraged. 
why people are hashtagging Austerte on Twitter and on Instagram and on Facebook. So yeah, part of me is scared is because I might lose, I might lose a certain amount of clout. But at this point, it's beyond clout. Also, it's just airing out the news, sort of assessing where we're at, and wanting to keep people informed in the best way that I can, and just let people know what my opinion is. Am I a fan of this government? I'll say it right now. I am not. It has a twisted way of showing how it cares for the people. It has a twisted way of showing what government should do in the midst of a crisis. And you would think that in a crisis, a government will show its true colors, put its best foot forward. You know, for the people, especially for those who are underprivileged. For those who are the most prone or most at risk in this crisis. You would think that the highest seat in government would actually give a damn, but due to recent reports, due to recent addresses to the nation, it doesn't really seem that way. But there are government officials who are doing their part, who are getting quote-unquote creative on how to help people. And now they're getting in trouble for helping people. This government, or particularly the NBI or the PACC, they're not even going after the VIPs, aka those who work in government who got tested for the coronavirus when they didn't even have symptoms. And they said that we had a shortage, but still they were at the front of the line. We had a promising doctor at the age of 31 die because he didn't get his results on time. Why? Because we had politicians wanting their results rushed in 24 hours. There are people who do not get their priorities straight despite them being in government, knowing they should know what the priorities are. But again, it just shows the way they think about them, that they are privileged. And for another, yeah, okay, so you get tested. Even while you are being tested, while you're waiting for your result, wouldn't it be better for you to just stay in quarantine for the meantime until you get the result of being positive or negative? You would think that would be the right way to do it, but no, apparently there's a senator, his name is Aquilino Pimentel, or Coco for short. So during this guy's self-quarantine and while waiting for his results after being tested for the coronavirus, he decided, he decided to go to Makati Medical Center, which is a hospital here in Manila, to accompany his wife who was supposed to give birth to their child. But on the day of his hospital visit, that was when he was tested positive. And sure, there are chains of messages that are being shared all around social media claiming that he knew that he was positive, but he still insisted to go to the hospital to aid his wife. And there are also a part of that thread saying that the wife was also positive for coronavirus. But these are all allegations towards the senator and his wife. Makati Medical, though. I have to give them props for publishing a breach of protocol. It was like a memo that was blasted out into the public. And they were just, there was no holds barred from this, from the chief medical director of, uh, of Makati Medical Center. So his name is Saturnino Javier. And man, this is a sassy, sassy breach of protocol memo. It says, 
More than anyone else, Mr. Pimentel should have realized the ardent desire of every well-meaning Filipino and every dedicated healthcare institution to contain the spread of the infection. His admonition for everyone to observe social distancing, enhance community quarantine measures, washing of hands, and personal hygiene are nothing but empty rhetoric because he himself violated all those. It was really to attack him. They had every reason to. All of the hospitals here are at full capacity already and you add to the chaos by withholding information that you have. Yes, you are being tested. Maybe that is the extent of the information that you knew then. But just knowing that you were tested without or with pending results, that is not an excuse for you to breach protocol. You are on strict self-quarantine. And so the senator apologized for what he did. He also said that he was excited to be a father. Yeah, we get that. But one outweighs the other when it's about risking the lives of other people. And apart from what Saturnina said, he also added bias actions by Pimentel's actions. He contributed no solution. In fact, he created another problem. For Makati Medical Center, the very institution which embraced his wife for obstetric care. Hospitals can't afford to be short on doctors. They are at full capacity to help treat the patients who are experiencing symptoms, who are in the midst of their disease. And then you pull a stunt like this. That's why everybody felt like it was true that Pimentel was that guy in your zombie movies who would hide a zombie bite once you are in a safe zone. Justice Secretary Menarda Guevara said that he instructed NBI to quote-unquote initiate its own fact-finding if Makati Medical Center or any other party in interest does not file a complaint against Pimentel. Regardless if he knew that he was positive, there is still Republic Act Number 11332 or the Mandatory Reporting of Notifiable Diseases Act where it punishes the non-cooperation of persons or entities identified as having the notifiable disease. Because you're risking everyone around you, you're not even wearing your personal protective equipment. It's not just a matter of sanitizing where you sat or the doors that you've touched. It's more than that. But here is the cherry on top also. Upon use of Pimentel doing this to Makati Medical Center. Yeah, he apologized he should face consequences for what he did and he should do that in spite of him being a senator so in addition the justice secretary also said quote during abnormal times like this when people are prone to commit mistakes or violations of the law the doj will temper will temper the rigor of the law with human compassion Wow, you didn't seem to have that much compassion for the underprivileged who, yeah, were breaking quarantine curfew or were breaking quarantine because they had to get food and they had to earn money for their families. There are people who are desperate to survive. And that's why people have resorted to somewhat extreme measures for them to survive. That's why there was a sort of a riot that happened in Quezon City because people have claimed that they did not receive the relief goods that they were expecting from their local governments. I can't empathize with these people but I can sympathize for the desperation because these people have the limited most 
limited resources that they have to the point that they only look up to the government to support them. And now the government is barely supporting them or have turned a blind eye. So of course they're going to want to be heard. And now, following the rally, or not the rally, following the riot that happened, there was a address to the nation by our very own president. And this, this was a cherry on top of every single address that he has done since this quarantine, since this pandemic. So translated in English, he says, My orders to the police, the military, and the barangays, if they become unruly and they fight you and your lives are endangered, shoot them dead. Let's see, dead. Instead of causing chaos, I'll just bury you. That is what he said. That is our president of the Philippines, ladies and gentlemen. There's no proper discourse on how to quell a riot, so shoot them dead. This is coming from the highest seat of power. This is coming from a government who glorifies democracy. But this is not democracy. This is a threat to the freedom that people have, yes, but it is also a threat out of fear. People are upset. People are not happy. People are just over the shit that's going on. Because there hasn't been a clear course of action throughout this whole thing. This is not the level of precedency that we deserve. And honestly, the Philippines deserves so much better than this. This isn't to say that like all the officials are horrible people. No, I'm not saying that. There are some who are doing good. And I've mentioned this earlier. There are some people who are trying to help in the best way that they can. You've had common people starting fund drives and donations and charities just so frontliners can get the supplies, frontliners can get food, just so they can do their jobs. And then there's a government who is jealous of local government officials or a national government official because they're doing more than what's expected. Think about that. They're being penalized for doing more than what was expected. They're giving out more help than the bare minimum that the government is insisting each LGU should provide. Okay, I understand that my tone is completely different from yesterday, uh, from my previous episode because there is just too much tension going on around here that there's no other way. There's really no other way for me to express it. I can't, I, I tried, I thought about maybe let's just make it light. I can't! It's so hard! Because this is a reality that we're facing, and with this precedent, we have two more years. And two years is a freaking long time. <laughs> so speaking of those government officials and why they're being penalized, we'll go to two public figures. The first one we're going to talk about is our vice president. Her name is Lenny Robredo. And ever since COVID-19 struck the Philippines, and there was a constant increase of cases of coronavirus. That's when the quarantine happened. So since then, the office of the vice president was collecting donations from, from people for them to fund their efforts to support the underprivileged, frontliners, personal protective equipment for health facilities. And now the Presidential Anti-Corruption Commission, or the PACC, 
which is the government's anti-corruption body, wants the National Bureau of Investigation, or the NBI, which is like the FBI, but here, to investigate Lenny for allegedly competing. That is really the word that they use for competing. Competing with the national government's response to COVID-19. So in a statement, the PACC Commissioner Luna said that she's being probed for potentially violating certain laws when she received donations to help alleviate the COVID-19 crisis through quote-unquote illegal solicitations and actions that compete with national government efforts. And Luna said that Robredo should leave it up to the government agencies to do the work. Well, here's the thing. What if the agencies don't have enough to do the work? It's just that they might not have the funds, they might not have the supplies or the connections that they need for them to provide more, for them to support whoever they need to support in this crisis. Apparently, Robredo is barred from competing with DOH or Department of Health, DSWD or Department of Social Welfare and Development, the OCD or the Office of Civil Defense because she's apparently undermining their efforts because there are already funds appropriated for relief assistance, disaster mitigation, and rehabilitation. Why is it so hard for government or the national government to accept the help that we so desperately need? But here's the thing, from PACC, there's another person who said, okay, don't listen to Luna. It's not the time for talking politics or We're not concerned with any personality. The main concern is to make sure all the needy Filipinos get all the help they need, the president promised. Our concern is to end the COVID-19 virus. So they were saying that what Luna said was just his personal opinion. Sorry, did he clarify that what he was saying to the press was a personal opinion? Or was he speaking on behalf as commissioner of the Anti-Corruption Commission? Because that makes a difference if you have a disclaimer, but no. And the next person that we're going to talk about is this young mayor who people respect. Some people have actually crushed on. He's not that bad looking, I will admit. We're talking about Pasig City Mayor Vico Soto. So the NBI again, they summoned Mayor Vico to explain his quote-unquote violation of the enhanced community quarantine. So more specifically, they are summoning him to respond to allegations that he violated Republic Act 11469 or the Bayanihan to Heal as One Act. Now, what is this act just to be clear for everyone? So the Bayanihan to Heal as One Act is the law of the Philippines that was enacted in March 2020, which granted the president additional authority to combat the 2020 coronavirus pandemic in the Philippines. This is basically the act where Duterte got extended powers. How he was able to get a hold of 275 billion pesos, which until now, by the way, has no sign of showing up yet. Specifically, the weekly report that is required to know the appropriations of this budget. Where it's going, who it's going to, and a breakdown, basically, of where this hundreds of billions of pesos is going. This weekly report is due Mondays of every week. It is Friday today, and it is still nowhere in sight. The first week to have this 275 billion pesos and it is nowhere in sight 
It is no wonder people are enraged and pissed the fuck off because we still need to know where that money went. This is the people's money that you have in your hands. So yeah, I digress. So he, Vico, first name basis really, was summoned. And if he doesn't show up for the subpoena that was laid upon him, they would proceed with the investigation. So Soto also confirmed with the media that he did receive a letter from the NBI, but the letter itself didn't specify the violation he allegedly committed. The only thing they mentioned as an example, like in parentheses, was the continuous tricycle operation he imposed in March. And the reason why he did that was to transport health workers and patients with urgent needs to respond to the suspension of mass transport during the quarantine. Ever since there was zero mass transport in EDSA or in any major road, just to get from point A to point B, healthcare workers and these patients, these patients in need, how do you expect them to get to work when they don't even have private vehicles? So that's why Soto wanted to help. He wanted to use his tricycle. Why? Because it's just one driver, one passenger. And if you're in a tricycle, you can actually have a wall, a plastic wall or whatever, in between the driver and the passenger so that neither would be infected if either one was positive for COVID-19. But no, our uh, Department of Interior and local government was against it. So obviously he he had to stop operations and he complied. He complied with it. Also, something to point out, during the briefing, Soto said that the Bayanihan Tahilas 1 Act became effective in March 24. This was days after the tricycle issue, days after he decided to stop operations for this mobilization of tricycles to help healthcare workers and patients. And that's also why several government officials have also defended Vico, because the law should not have a retroactive effect on the mayor's case unless it's a continuing offense and hasn't stopped operations. And he did. So why are they bringing this up regardless? And mind you, the cases against Lenny and the case against Vico came first before the government decided to do something about Pimentel. Do you see how the government is playing favorites? Its favorites is not the people. We are at the lowest priority, apparently. And the fact that the president himself said, if people come together and if people decide to riot and if it's risking your life, shoot them dead. Don't bother fighting the government because you'll lose. He also said that. It's just baffling to me. The extrajudicial killings just shoot on sight. How are these solutions? How is this law? How is this justice? I hope this gives a clearer picture on why Filipinos are angry at this point. This is the best that I can do in getting political. I don't want to get into more detail because I don't really know that much detail. I've tried to gather as much information as I can from several news articles and have shared them with you. And maybe this is time for you guys to think as well. The Philippines really, really, truly deserves better. And we have been at this for so long, so many times. We had a revolution that happened in the 80s, a revolution that happened in the 2000s. And I don't know if it's coming, but it might. The only thing that's holding us back, I guess, is this quarantine. People are protesting online because we have no other platform to do it. 
And I decided to speak up about this because we are living in a time where it's just we have a crisis. Well, we have two crises, I guess, in this nation. One, we have COVID. And two, we have the government itself. And things really do need to change. It can't just be a constant cycle of, oh, this person is not the great leader that we all expected. Let's revolt. The F- Philippine history is full of revolutions, if you think about it. But it doesn't always have to be the case. We don't always have to feel oppressed. When I was in college, I had this NSTP professor. It's like a national service class. And he was sort of an activist. He told, he encouraged us to go to these certain places that had rallies. But we would get plus points for it. He asked us a question. He asked something like, how do you propose? the government or how do you propose the country to be run the easy answer which a lot of people went for was to vote for the right people and yeah it makes sense because you want the right people to lead you want them with good credentials you want them with a with a passion for serving like they truly understand what public servant means in spite of them having the title of senator or president or mayor that kind of thing But the hard answer is to change the system altogether. This corruption, this democracy, and the way this country is being run, it is just so rooted at the very core of the Philippines that that's why history keeps repeating itself. And if you don't get it, it's kind of like changing a light bulb with a brand new light bulb when it's a circuitry that actually has the problem. The system needs to change. I don't know how, but we need to stop this cycle at the bare minimum. If we can't change the system, educate people. But it's our part. It has to be a priority of ours to educate those who can vote and to tell them why it's important to vote. It's not a matter of, oh, I didn't vote because, oh, it was a sure shot that they were going to win. No, don't make that excuse. That's how Brexit happened. And it's a scary thing, change. It always is. No matter how small or how big it is, it will scare the fuck out of anyone. But it needs to happen. And I truly, truly hope we have more officials, and there are, who are just as passionate as Vico and Lenny in doing their jobs in spite of the allegations against them. Because we really deserve better as a nation. And we need to stop this cycle of corruption and oppression just constantly churning the history of the Philippines. This is as nationalistic, or this is how patriotic as I'm going to get. And I don't know how well this second episode is going to go. So if I'm going to delete this later, it would be because I feel like I'd be in trouble. But our nation is in trouble. So fuck it. Before I end this podcast, I also forgot to mention in the pilot how you can find me. Wow, that is really going to help me. Um, you can go ahead and check my face out at Nikki Porter, that's N-I-K-K-I-P-O-R-T-E-R-R-R on Instagram or on Twitter. So if you want to match the face to the voice, you can go ahead and do that. If you've made it this far, if you have reached the end of this podcast, I super appreciate it. And please do give me a follow if you find me interesting at all. 
because I don't know how this episode is gonna go. But I am risking it to take the biscuit. But I hope you guys have an awesome day regardless. And no, I'm not lying when I say that. <laughs> I really hope so. There's There has to be a silver lining in all of this. So, have a good quarantine, everybody. Bye.